today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Talking about the vaccine rollout and, and kids' vaccines, uh, but what about the program as it is right now? Earlier in the program, uh, we told you that in the Hamilton area, they're very concerned because we're below the provincial average and, and of course, not anywhere close to the 90% that we're supposed to have. Uh, that's the goal that, that we had set and the province had set. And uh, there's some some pockets within Hamilton that are, are problematic. Uh, so the discussion about mandatory vaccinations has come into play. And uh, it's, it's of course, there's no pr- provincial policy here, as usual. They just kind of leave it up to individual uh, regions to make their own determinations about this. So it's, it's happening in different places. And what about mandatory vaccinations for healthcare workers, for what they call essential workers? What about mandatory vaccinations for teachers? Heard a lot of people uh, con- who've contacted me over the last couple of days and say, look, it, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, you know, th- there's going to be testing and everything, uh, but I want my, my child to be safe when they're in school, and I don't know whether or not my child's teacher is vaccinated or not. So is there a discussion about mandatory vaccinations? And if there are, what are the, the ramifications of that? I, well, this past Monday evening, the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board held a meeting and received a report on staff vaccination rates. Apparently 93% are fully vaccinated. That's up from 87 in September. But there are still those who are seeking medical exemptions and those who still are hesitant about this. Now, Manny Figueroa is the director of education with the Hamilton Board. This is what he had to say. Full transparency, right? I, I, I'm a believer in vaccinations, and I'll tell you from a personal story why. You know, my grandmother at the age of 36 back in, in the Azores, you know, my mom reminds me when she was 16, mm. her mother died of tuberculosis, yeah. TB, at, at the age of 36. So, you know, I look at vaccines over time, what they have done. Um, you know, for uh, for humankind in terms of prolonging life. But do you go to the extent and say, okay, uh, no vaccine, you don't go in the classroom? That's what some people are advocating for. If that were to happen, if even here in the province of Ontario, uh, one study indicates that Ontario could see 50,000 education workers fired if COVID-19 vaccinations are going to be mandated. That according to, uh, to the education minister, Stephen Lecce. Uh, what are teachers feeling about this? Well, to talk about all of these issues, we're so pleased to welcome to the program Karen Littlewood. Karen is the president of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation. Uh, Karen, pleasure to have you on the program again. Uh, your thoughts on what's going on here? What are you hearing from your membership about this debate? Yeah, thanks so much for that, Bill. I, our membership is is growing, um, continue to be concerned about conditions in the schools. But quite frankly, what's working right now is that we have some rules in place, people who are not vaccinated are testing twice a week. And what we're not seeing is the massive outbreaks that we had seen before when we didn't have vaccines and vaccines as as available to all members. Um, When vaccines are going to be available to kids in the schools, that's going to make a huge difference. Uh, The number, though, the 50,000 number yesterday was really quite alarming. It's a headline. It grabs attention. But you have to look at what that number is. Boards are reporting who's vaccinated in their employ. And these are not all teachers. In fact, the teachers and education workers across the province, about 90% of them are vaccinated. And those who aren't are submitting to the testing on a biweekly basis. And we are not seeing those massive outbreaks. So, you know, concerning headline, absolutely. And I agree with you. Boards have A few boards have gone ahead and said, we're going to have a mandatory policy where the government has not come through and shown the leadership. We are going to show that leadership. And as a union, we will support our members through those processes. 
Well, and I'm on record on this program, our listeners know that, that I think the government's abdicating their responsibility. Yeah. And, and it's it's caused this patchwork of policies yeah. right across the province, not just with boards of education, but with healthcare workers and so many other uh, essential workers as well. And uh, and then, you, you know, you get the premier or somebody up there bemoaning the fact that the numbers aren't where they want to be. Uh, you, you, you're looking for leadership here, and, and it's, it's just not coming. Basically, it's, you guys are on your own. And I find that frustrating. Let, let's yeah. talk about what's going on in the school environment, though. And, and you're, I'm glad you brought that up, Karen, because when they talk about this 50,000, uh, that could be custodians and everybody else. Those are people working physically within a school uh, in situations like that. And, and you know, that it doesn't inflate the number. I mean, that's realistic because they're people that are still going to be in that environment. Are the teachers themselves concerned? Because I think we talked about this just uh, in September uh, about you know, the, the, the medical experts then were suggesting, okay, everybody's going to get back into school right now. And even though there's going to be testing and, and they've taken some protocols in place, there's probably going to be another spike. And we thought, oh, my God, here we go again. It never really happened, did it? Yeah, well, and it's a relief that it hasn't really happened. Yeah, yet. it's great news. Teachers are concerned about the numbers, but teachers are concerned about more than that. They're really concerned right now in the boards where they're, they're doing hybrid learning, where a teacher has kids in the class and kids at home, and they're trying to follow along. It's, it's resulting in a massive level of burnout. Um, but we're also looking at just the timetabling and the scheduling. We've got these these quadmesters where we've got a different timetable than what we've seen in the past, and it was in order to have cohorts. And a cohort is supposed to be a closed-off group who's not interacting with others. I taught high school. <laughs> that doesn't happen. That, that It really doesn't exist. So people are concerned about their working conditions in general and the safety. But again, I have to repeat that the numbers are not spiking or skyrocketing the way they are. And when we have the increase in vaccinations for students, it's going to be a real game changer. And people are going to feel better about it. Recently in the news, there was also concern about the masks and the type of masks that, that are available and that are mandated for people to wear in the schools. Our members are wearing their masks. They're doing everything they can to make sure that the kids are safe, that the schools are staying open. And it, it really is happening. And it's, I think we really have to applaud the efforts of the education workers in the province. You know, when we say this, I guess by your numbers, maybe about 10 percent uh, that have yet to be vaccinated. And, and some of those may well be you know, legitimate medical exceptions. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Uh, is, I just heard Manny Figueroa from the Hamilton board here talking about, well, there needs to be transparency. Uh, we don't need to know individual numbers in the province, and certainly the boards aren't giving us individual uh, statistics about this teacher versus that teacher who's vaccinated and who isn't. But how do you address the concerns that many parents have expressed? And I'm sure you've heard these too, Karen, that says, I, I'm not sending my kid back to school unless I know that the teachers that they're going to be in the classroom with are vaccinated. Yeah, well, vaccines are really only just one part of the plan. So we've got lots of HEPA filters in schools. We're looking at the filtration and we're looking at the quality of air in classroom. We're looking at distancing. That would be a bigger concern for me as a parent that I've got 35 kids in a classroom and they take off their masks and they're eating lunch together. Um, that's, that's a bigger concern that I have. Um, looking again at the, the numbers that we have to have a mandatory vaccine the government puts that forward, then we will work with our members for that. Parents have a right to be concerned, but parents also should be looking at the numbers and the fact that members are wearing their masks, that the kids need to be masked. We should be looking at the quality of masks for the children as well, because, you know, we know that a cloth mask is definitely not as effective as a medical grade mask and an N95 mask is superior to all of those. So do we have every protection in place in order to keep the school safe and open?
What about the testing itself? Uh, and again, here we go again. The province, there is no provincial standard here. They basically said you guys are on your own. As a matter of fact, yeah. uh, we talked with some folks in, in, the, in the, uh, the Durham board a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sure you know that story. Uh, they took it upon themselves as a, a group of parents to actually get the mm -hmm. testing kits themselves. And basically, the, the, the government said, hey, knock it off. Don't do that. You're making us yeah. look bad. Uh, which I thought was rather incredulous, but you know that's not, I guess, surprising given the, the stand the government's taken on this. Yeah. Are, are, are your members concerned about the the testing that's going on, about the quality of the testing and and, and the frequency of the testing? Yeah. So TDSB announced this week that they're going to have the the PCR tests available and they can be dropped off at the school where there are symptoms and where there are cases. But I think you're also referring to the asymptomatic rapid tests, which I think yeah. are really the key to keeping schools open. And it was so disappointing to first hear that the government was going to provide them to, for private schools and businesses, but not for the, the publicly funded schools. And then it was pulled back and nobody gets them anymore. If you want to keep the province safe, you do like they're doing in Nova Scotia. You can pick up a rapid test just about anywhere in Nova Scotia and then you know you're keeping everyone else in the community safe that's our that's our responsibility as citizens of Ontario to ensure that we're keeping others safe I can do a rapid test if I test positive on it I know people will say well you know there's false positives well then I go and get a PCR test and I know if I need to isolate or not I'm double vaccinated but I could still be carrying the disease we have kids in schools who are not yet vaccinated those rapid tests would be a way to pinpoint where there are issues in order to address them immediately instead of waiting for an outbreak. Again, the numbers are good right now and we want to keep them that way, but we have to be using every tool at our disposal in order to do that. There are false positives in, in just about every test. I mean, it can be for any test, not just for COVID or anything else. I, I think that's a rather specious argument. And the worst case scenario, I guess, like that, Carrot, is if you have a, a positive, you miss a day or two of school. Uh, and, and better to be safe than sorry uh, exactly. than to go into school and, and, and you know, all of a sudden, oh, my God, I'm, I'm part of the spread. Uh, so, so I don't see the downside in doing something like that. And, and to be able to do the testing at home makes all kinds of sense, I think, yes. for that well, reason. I'll, I'll, it's I'll it's a preventative measure, isn't it? Well, it, absolutely. The downside is it costs money, big money. This takes a lot of money, and that's what we need in order to keep the system safe. And quite frankly, the cuts to education are not as a result of COVID. They came before that, and we really have to be looking at that and considering that. But if we're going to continue and to have everything to keep the system as safe as possible, while we wait for the children to have access to vaccinations, those rapid tests cost money, and that money is well spent, in my opinion, in order to keep the whole system safe and to keep everybody at work and to keep the province functioning. Education is an investment, and we really do contribute to the ability for businesses to stay open. What about the remote learning? I know a number of your members were concerned about that, uh, about uh, the quality of education, about how that was running. Have, have the edges been smoothed off that right now? Is there a comfort <laughs> level there? Yeah, well, again, it, Bill, it's different everywhere in the province, and that's such a huge issue. So we have some areas where there's a, a webcam on every teacher's laptop, and they're teaching students at home at the same time as they're teaching students in the class. I don't know how you do a woodworking class like that. Are you saying to the student, okay, you go to the garage and get some wood, and I'll work with these kids that are here with me in person? We do have um, e-learning that's been around for many years, that's been appropriate for many students, but this is emergency learning. This is people trying to figure out what to do to make 
make things work without guidance from the ministry, without central guidance in anything. So again, we have every board trying to figure out what to do, trying to fund whatever they can. The hybrid learning model is really fractured. It does not work where I have kids in class and kids at home. But but we have to also consider the long-term ramifications of this. Is this really the best way to deliver education? And, and we would say no, that it isn't. Face-to-face is the way to, to best educate students. You talked about burnout a second ago, and I want to spend a couple yeah. of minutes talking about that, uh, Karen, in our limited time here. Uh, we've heard about burnout with uh, with uh, personal service workers and long-term care facilities. We've heard about burnout in hospitals where, where nurses and healthcare professionals are saying, I just can't do this anymore. Now we're starting to hear about teachers that are saying, I'm out of here. I can't do this. And mm-hmm. we're at the stage right now, the, the stats I saw on this, uh, and I'm sure you've seen the, this report as well, uh, there's a, there's actually a, a problem with supply t- uh, with teachers. I mean, supply teachers and full time teachers right now. Uh, mm-hmm. You're underserved right now in this community. And, and uh, talk to us about those numbers and, and the ramifications of that. Yeah, there are huge issues with staffing, and it's not just teachers. We have education workers uh, in Windsor who are working absolutely short-staffed, where they have you know at least forty absences a day, and those are those are adults who are supposed to be supporting our highest needs students, and they're just unable to fill those jobs. We have teacher um, unable to fill, and we have absences, and you know what that does is it makes the system slowly start to fall apart and that's absolutely not what we want and and it's not just that people are burned out they're leaving the profession they're saying you know what this is just not for me anymore and I know we have people who will say oh it's such an easy job and you only work from nine till two and then you have your summers off it's not like that we have people who are spending every waking moment trying to plan the lessons in order to deliver curriculum in different methods across the computer and in person and to keep things engaged it's it's really a challenge. You know, in the beginning of the pandemic, we thought we'll have a lot of people who will be on a leave or who'll be retiring. It didn't happen. Kind of happened last year. It's happening this year. And it's going to be a crisis. And we're going to have to look at how we're going to be able to staff our schools and make sure that we have all of the adults in the building that we need. Uh, this is the number that jumped out at me when I read this report, though. And it's, it's staggering. And Karen, I wanted people to be aware of this. And it goes to your point. Uh, like so many other things, that, uh, that that what the pandemic has done is exacerbated an already mm-hmm. existing problem. Uh, and according to the report that was released about this, teaching uh, is a high-stress job, as we mentioned. Pre-pandemic, this is before any lockdowns or anything else, uh, the rate attrition rate for teachers in the first five years was 30 to 40%. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's alarming. And that's, I, I'm sure, yeah. something that nobody is aware of. That's, that's flying under everybody's radar right now. And, of yeah. course, it's worse now because of the pandemic. Yeah. Well, and the same people who say that teaching is an easy job usually follow up with the sentence, but I wouldn't want to do it. (laughs) And we heard a lot of that actually during the pandemic, during the lockdown, people saying, you know, this is not for me. This is a really hard job. It is a really hard job, but it's a really important job for the province of Ontario. We are working with the citizens, the taxpayers of tomorrow, and it's so important that we have a system that's robust and able to meet their needs. And, you know, we've got a teacher education program where people are graduating, yet they're not able to get full-time work. They are they are struggling just to make ends meet. They're not being respected, and that's across the whole education spectrum. Again, it's not just teachers. We have to be looking at everyone who's important as part of the education team, and are we really meeting um, the needs of the students by ensuring we have the right number of adults there? 
Well, it's the cost of education. And again, we, we, we had this discussion on the program long before there was any pandemic mm -hmm. uh, about qualifications to be teachers. Usually, yeah. as you mentioned, there's an undergraduate and then probably a bachelor in education degree. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the, that's kind of the minimum in, in most provinces around the country. Uh, and then there are additional courses that many people will take uh, you know, to enhance their, their skills as they head into this. That all costs money. And, and yeah. you know, you, everybody is going to graduate there. Most of them are going to graduate, and they're going to be in huge debt. And if you can't get a full-time job, and if you have to wait for the phone to ring, whether or not you're going to work that day, how do you, you know, it's no wonder a lot of people walk away in the first two or three years and saying, this is, this is killing me. I, I just can't do this. That's right. And we already have huge gaps in certain curriculum areas. So it's pretty hard to find some French teachers these days. It's really challenging. It's amazing that the French boards in the province have had such an increase in uptake from students, but we need to have the staff to do those jobs. Equally concerning, though, is the tech courses and the the just the challenge to get people to take the time off from their, their trades job for two years to go to teacher's college and then to be available to work. We need to be looking at all aspects of education. And I know, you know, many people will say uh, post-secondary higher education, that's where we all need to aspire. It's not. We need to make sure that we have workers at every level of the province. And those tech programs that we run in high schools are really crucial to the future of the province. And, and they're having a hard time staffing them. And when you can't staff them, the courses don't run. When the courses don't run, the students aren't able to access them. And we're going to be facing a huge shortage going forward in many areas of the curriculum. But those are massive concerns right now. We had a, a phenomenon in, a few years ago in the medical profession uh, that, that I know you'd remember, Karen, uh, where people were graduating and, and unable to get placements, et cetera, mm -hmm. and they were going overseas. They were going to Australia, to the UK, mm -hmm. and, play, and even down to the States. Uh, you, I've seen advertisements, you know, some in Alabama and places like that. Come down here. We'll get you an accommodation. You get, you got a job. We'll, we'll do this for you. Enhancements to get people to come down there. Is that happening in education now? People, yes, absolutely. People have gone overseas for many different opportunities, but now they're doing it because they need to make a living. And it's, you know, they're, they're desired professions in many other parts of the country. We need to make sure that people working in education are respected in Ontario and that they want to stay in Ontario and that they're going to be able to support the province. My, my best friend from university is a nurse in Texas now. Um, you know, that was many years ago that we both graduated and it was more appealing then for her to go there where she had a job. We need to be looking at the ability to have jobs in the province so that we can keep the province going and help to rebuild Ontario after the pandemic. Well, I know that the government has hit the pause button on a lot of these concerns because of the uh, the pandemic, uh, but that doesn't mean the problems have gone away. Uh, I'm so glad you had some time to talk to us about this and to address some of these issues. As always, Karen, thanks so much for this. Uh, stay well, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again down the road about some positive news here. That would be great. I look forward to that, Bill. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Karen Littlewood, President of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.